the fact that, you know, we talk about all things housing and one of the other cool things that I get to do is I get to look across all of our different brands and really consider, you know, for the title audience, what do they need to know that title, you know, they might already be reading title news. What do they need to know that they're not getting from title news? So what's happening to their mortgage partners? What's happening to their real estate partners? You know, what's happening in the market at large to really give them the, the background? And I feel the same way about appraisers, about, um, you know, the real estate part, reverse mortgage, people in prop tech. And so it's great. To now we have we just have this huge universe of things we can pull from and go, wow, they don't I bet they don't know this, but this is really important for them to know. Hey folks, this is Clayton Collins, CEO at HW Media. And today I'm coming to you from the beautiful Colorado Springs Airport as I get ready to board a plane to head back to DFW. After the Gathering of Eagles, the Gathering is an event hosted by Real Trends that's been going on for 30 years that brings together hundreds of the most influential real estate broker owners across the country. In today's episode, I interview Housing Wire and HW Media Editor-in-Chief Sarah Wheeler to talk about her role as Editor-in-Chief, but also discuss some of the key learnings from the Gathering of Eagles and other news stories crossing the Housing Wire newsroom desk this week. I hope you enjoy this episode. In today's changing market, Rocket Pro TPO gives brokers the tools they need to compete and win more business. Experience Pro Performance, the industry's elite training with three pillars. Sales training gives you the skills to do more for your clients. Platform training helps you maximize Rocket technology and process. All Access combines the best of both trainings in a live session where you'll meet your team. Learn more about Pro Performance at rocketprotpo.com. Equal housing lender license in all 50 states and MLS number 3030. Well, hey there, Sarah. Hey there. Great to be on your podcast. And we're actually recording in the same room, but not at headquarters in Dallas. We are at the Broadmore Hotel in beautiful Colorado Springs for the Gathering of Eagles conference. This is the gathering started 30 years ago, 1992. When Steve told me 1992, I was like, what is that, like 10 years ago? Like, oh, no, never mind. <laughs> it's like 30 years ago. It's phenomenal to see this community of real estate broker owners and real estate professionals, even a few mortgage professionals, show up to gather at the Broadmore. I think you really hit it there. It is a community. This isn't really an event so much as like a, a family get together, a, a place where lots of deals are done, a place where people are so collaborative. I've, I've never been to another conference that was this collaborative where people who are competitors, I mean, these are brokerages that are, you know, going after they're, they're very, um, they're very serious about their business. These are some of the top brokerages, some of the top agents, and they are here learning and really collaborating. Yeah, it's pretty phenomenal. So we have our all of our regular housing news listeners listening to this show, and everyone knows that this is a, a weekly interview show. And um, the fun part of this is I uh, invited Sarah onto the podcast under the guys that we're going to talk about news and the Gathering of Eagles. But I'm going to interview her just like any other executive in the housing industry that has joined the Housing News Podcast. I see how you are. I see. So I'm usually the one doing the interviewing. And so now I'm going to be on the hot seat. Yep. Stop trying to take control. This is I'm, I'm in control here. <laughs> So Sarah, 
editor-in-chief of HW Media. You lead the newsroom for Housing Wire, Real Trends, Reverse Mortgage Daily, and Finn Ledger. Lead our content studio, help with event programming. What else am I missing? What else is involved in this editor-in-chief role at HW Media? Uh, it, it sounds like you got it all it, and the podcast, right? So I do podcast. the Housing Wire Daily podcast where I do basically it's a download of the day's news or trending news. And that's been really fun. So our audience members, if you ever read a Housing Wire newsletter, visit our website or listen to a podcast like this one, know that this is under Sarah's realm of responsibility and influence. So Sarah couldn't be more excited with the content that you bring to the housing industry. But now let's start with the interview. So Sarah, tell us about how you got your start at Housing Wire. I got my start at Housing Wire in 2013, a really interesting time in the industry. I, I really came from, I had a background in newspapers, but also at ad agencies, and then also really in the healthcare uh, industry. But, you know, I came over to Mortgage and I found it fascinating. So I was hired as their sponsor content editor and they didn't have one before. And so I really um, looked to grow that whole program. And in the process, what was so cool about it is I got to write about a lot of the solution providers that to this day, you know, are, are still people that we interact with are still doing great in the industry. I also got to, to talk to a lot of people who aren't here anymore. Um, and just seeing that cyclicality and really just the difference between 2013 and today. Um, and also just the incredible difference in the technology that's available now. The different market cycles are, are definitely interesting, and you've seen a few. I had the pleasure of hosting a session this morning with Tom Ferry, and to the audience member, you guys, you guys know Tom. He's been on been on Housing News, so I don't need to, to get the background here. But Tom started off our, our talk on stage, and one of the questions he asked the audience is, how many recessions or, or at least market dislocations have you operated through and gate like through the question of the audience and like everyone actually like engaged a lot and turn to their left, turn to their right, talk to their peers. And, um, people started shouting out seven, 11, four, eight. And it was phenomenal to see how many professionals at this gathering of Eagles conference have been through more cycles than they even remembered. And then everybody started admitting at the beginning of each of those, it felt like the sky was falling and they didn't know which way to turn, but we actually have more muscle memory than we could have imagined in managing through tough market environments. Tell me a little bit about your coverage of tough market environments as you've evolved at HW Media. Yeah. Um, you know, when I joined, uh, we were really still dealing with the aftermath of the Great Re uh, great Recession and especially the regulation and all that that entailed. And so what is interesting to me is that it laid the foundation for where we are today as far as the technology. You know, the mortgage companies, servicers, they had to get to a different level of technology if they were going to be audited by the CFPB remotely, for instance. It was a huge, painful, terrible thing, but it laid the foundation for where we are today. I don't know if you weren't forced to do it on a widespread scale and you were going to be penalized for not doing it. You know, would that have been in anyone's business plan? No. Um, so it's great to see that and the difference uh, of today. And then, you know, finally that regulation started to fade and and they could, you know, the companies could turn to really growing their businesses. And that's what they've done and in investing in technology and, and really taking a different tax. So 
I, I think it's been fascinating. And so I have only been through as far as at Housing Wire, just from that to, to here. But already, I mean, we had a we had a recession in um, COVID-19, right? It was only six weeks, but it still counts. And, and boy, that was a shock to the system. Yeah. I mean, and let's not forget about 2018, 2019. A lot of the headlines that we published just this week about layoffs at JP Morgan, Wells Fargo, we published the same exact headlines three and four years ago when these same lenders went through a, a market environment where, where volume wasn't quite as high and margins weren't quite where they they were expected to be. Right. And, you know, now we're looking at, of course, the MBA projects that, you know, this year we're going to be um, compared with 2021 origination volume is expected to drop 40% from last year's $4 trillion origination volume. But, you know, $4 trillion is just, I mean, it's just sky high. It's, it's amazing. So it is expected to drop 40%. That comes with a lot of pain. I mean, it does. At the same time, it comes with a lot of right sizing. Uh, which is what some people call layoffs. And of course, sometimes layoffs are just like, hey, we need we need to do this. But sometimes it's really making a company stronger on the other end. And so when we're when we're assigning, you know, let's cover these things we want to cover. We want to be the 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 website of record. I was going to say the paper of record, the website of record for this industry. And part of that is like charting what's happening in with different companies. And, and you really, it tells a story, right? But we're also talking about some people who are hiring. We're talking about people who are raising money. We're talking about people who are really looking at this as a, an incredible opportunity to acquire. And, you know, it's a, it, it's where deals are made. It's where, it's where businesses is made, careers are made. And we're seeing that. Yeah. Let's, let's come back to like the, the, the M&A and some of the topics that have come up here at Gathering Eagles. But I want to bring this back to you, Sarah. So this is an interview of you about your role as editor-in-chief at HW Media. So I want to, we, we heard about your foundation at HW. Tell us about how your role has evolved over the last nine years at HW. Yeah, it's a pretty big evolution. So, you know, started with sponsor content, but pretty, pretty quickly got involved in the magazine, which was great because um, that just broadened my horizons again. You know, we, we do some really specific things with the magazine. And so that allowed me to get to know a lot of people in the industry and um, just do some trend lines there. I was always in the newsroom as far as I, uh, you know, we used to, we used to have a physical newsroom with people in it. Um, and I miss those days. It was really fun to um, be right across the the desk from Ben Lane and, and Brenna Swanson, who's now Brenna Nath and uh, runs our event team. I mean, she joined us when she was 20. Um, I, I came on about six months after that. So um and, and through that, really learned some a lot of things and then really transitioned into into editing. I, that whole time I did editing of the newsroom. And, you know, I'm kind of a stickler about things. So, um, you know, coming into 2020, we were really remaking um, the kind of news that we provide, the kind of, you know, our, our background is always like giving people the information they need in a really timely manner. Sometimes uh, when we started out, that was tended to be more like, you know, housing wire, more like we would think of as a wire service. Um, although we always did features, the magazine always had features in it. We've always done that, but we really, you know, pivoted to like, we want to make sure we're serving our audience across it. So we're giving them daily stories. We're giving them day two stories. We're giving them longer stories, whatever they need the information, the news they need to really grow their business. And so that in 2020, we launched our HW Plus uh, premium membership program. And that really required us to do a little bit uh, different kinds of um, reporting and writing. And so overseeing that has been really amazing too. Yeah, a little bit of a different approach, but with the same 
focus on serving our audience and helping housing professionals make better decisions and excel in their careers. So speaking of careers, what is your favorite part of your job at HW? Wow, that's so hard to say. So I think um, in the past, I've written the um, PM daily newsletter. I have also written the closing time newsletter for title professionals, and I currently write the appraised value new- newsletter for valuation professionals. And I think the newsletters are one of my favorite things because I really get to connect with the audience. So I'm writing, you know, I, I'm looking at things all through the week. Um, those two that I write now, um, oh, I also write the HW Plus newsletter uh, on Sundays. So it's just it's just really digging into that particular vertical and getting to know those people, writing things that are very specific to them. A newsletter is really like, hey, I'm, I'm talking straight to you. And then getting the feedback from the audience, I feel like there's so much community there. And I don't know that you can get that. You know, when you write something, it goes out on a website, you may never hear it. But when you write a newsletter, I hear back from people quite a bit. And the relationships through that that I've made through the industry is one of my very favorite things. I think newsletter writing it's a time consuming, tough responsibility, but it forces you to conceptualize or I mean, conceptualize, not the right word, contextualize the news that we cover and like gives you a reason to dig into each and every article that moves through our newsroom, through housing, Lawyer, real trends, reverse mortgage daily and Finn ledger and think about what it means to the audience. What does this mean to title and appraisal professionals? What does this mean to originators? What does it mean to real estate brokers and, and agents? And I, that's been like when I've, when I've edited lending life and, and other newsletter products over the years, like that's been my favorite part is taking news that at face value might not feel like it's meant for uh, a segment of our audience and thinking about the impacts across the ecosystem. I think it kind of forces you to stretch the way you think and, and understand this incredibly interconnected housing ecosystem that, that we work and and live in. I I don't know. I I think that's a cool, I, I, I know why that's your favorite responsibility. And I, you just hit on it. The fact that, you know, we talk about all things housing and one of the other cool things that I get to do is I get to look across all of our different brands and really consider, you know, for the title audience, what do they need to know that title, you know, they might already be reading title news. What do they need to know that they're not getting from title news? So what's happening to their mortgage partners? What's happening to their real estate partners? You know, what's happening in the market at large to really give them the the background. And I feel the same way about appraisers, about, um, you know, the real estate part, reverse mortgage, people in prop tech. And so it's great to now we have we just have this huge universe of things we can pull from and go wow they don't i bet they don't know this but this is really important for them to know yeah yeah that's that makes a lot of sense all right what keeps you up at night i think for me it's really important integrity is really important and what i mean by that is to make sure that we're telling the story in the right way the angle is right and we're really considering um the people that we're reporting on the industry we're, we're reporting on and we're doing that in in the best way possible you know media um is I think when people know you personally, they like you, but you know, you, you can hear all sorts of terrible things about media and, and some of it's, you know, we can all feel that way that, oh, media is unfair, all this thing. It really is important to me that we treat the individuals and the industry as a whole um, fairly and, and that we're telling the stories that really matter to them in a way that really impacts their business. And that's what keeps me up at night. That makes a lot of sense. So I read a, a blog post this week and I God, I, got, I can't remember who wrote it. I need to find this post. But there was a, a concept in there that if an executive, whether they're talking to an investor or a board member or an employee, can't answer the question, 
what's the biggest hurdle that you need to overcome to be successful, then they don't know their business. And if someone rambles on, on, on 20 different topics, then it's like, all right, you kind of, you're not like really narrowed in. So I took that question and applied it to my two sessions today. So I interviewed Glenn Sanford this morning, the founder and CEO at EXP and asked Glenn about his biggest hurdle to really achieving what he wants to at the XP. Um, I also asked that question to Tom Ferry and they both had very succinct views of like what their businesses um, need to do to overcome this, this next big hurdle, whether that's uh, a really, really um, aggressive uh, growth targets and an agent count or, or coaching clients and in Tom's scenario, or, uh, or, or hurdles related to this current market environment. So Sarah, I want to ask you that question in your role as editor in chief at HW media, what's the biggest hurdle you have to overcome? I think the biggest hurdle that I and my staff have to overcome is that we are not in the business that we're covering. I think it helps that I've run a business. So I've owned a business. I owned, owned a home health company and a, um, a company that sent out non-skilled care workers. And that was extremely helpful to me just because I've been a small business owner. I understand the impacts of some of these things. A lot of people on my staff have never um, worked in a business outside of media and have not owned a business. And so I think the biggest hurdle that we have in serving our audience well is understanding what they care about and understanding why, just what you said, why this news matters to them, what the information is that they need and how we're going to deliver it to them. And so I think it's just the mindset that we have to get, which is why we come to conferences, why we interview people, why we have sources and talk to them, because it's like, listen, we need to understand what it is that they care about, what's important to them and what keeps them up at night. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, this market environment we're in, we, we kind of mentioned some layoff stories earlier and I, that's, that's one content, uh, or like news category that I always think long and hard about. Cause I think it's important for the industry to know when a business is excelling or decelerating, hiring, hiring or firing, um, but covering it through the right lens that it actually makes impact on the industry and gives people knowledge and information is tough. And I, I think about like your example of running a, a home healthcare business. And then in my experience running HW media, if you've never hired and fired, it's very hard to understand the mentality through which some decisions are made. And I don't mean to say that in a way to like make it less significant that there's been lenders that laid off very large majority of their other staffs in, in the last week. But I do mean to share that through the lens that if a business is not excelling or, or in worse words is failing or, or like heading toward a path where they're no longer solvent. Uh, there's a different lens of layoffs and, um, and that part of that lens might be survival mode. And, uh, that's what I, 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 I like talking about that with other business operators, because I think business operators are running a mortgage bank or real estate brokerage or a media company. You have the obligation to do whatever is necessary to make sure your business continues forward and employs as many people as that business possibly can and can make, give those employees the paychecks they need to pay their mortgage and, and rent payments. And it's, it's really painful to see the headcount reductions, but I also like to look at these things through the lens of a, a business operator. And, uh, and then I guess personally, like learn from, like learn from others, mistakes, learn, learn from different market cycles and avoid those. You know, and I think that's true. And I think you especially come at it from that executive mindset, which is so helpful to us. And sometimes we, we tap you and we're like, listen on, on this story, what is the angle? Like what, what does someone like you care about? 
this because I do think there are different angles. So for instance, I mean, we have people who their passion within the business. So, so obviously the executives have to be like, we're going to stay in business. We're going to stay profitable. We're going to grow. And there have to be people doing that. And, and that's, you know, really important. There are also people who are doing it because it is the, you know, it fulfills their desire to help people get into homes. There are people who do this, who have taken on uh, pet projects within the business where they are helping people through different charities. And those are also stories that we tell. We try to look at go and say, what is this business doing to try to make its community better? And mortgage and real estate, they're doing that all the time. They are really involved in their communities. They're really involved in helping veterans and different other people. And so it's it's really like figuring out what is the motivation that people have to go to their job every day. And we know for different generations, for millennials, there's a big part of that. We heard that on the stage today at, at um, Gathering of Eagles. Then one of the things you have to consider, even as a real estate brokerage, is what are you doing to give back to your community? Because that's going to be important to some of the people that you hire. They don't want to work for you if it's just for money, which... You know, there are some of us who don't really understand that. <laughs> it's like we are, you know, I mean, money is is a, is a main driver for most people in, in business, but there are other drivers. Yeah, it's a it's a view that I think different professionals, whether they're entry level employee or CEO, like take different vantage points on. And like for some people running a business and the the income or salary that that business affords gives you the ability to make an impact in your community as an individual and others who want to see the business make an impact directly. And there's probably a, there's probably a, a, a line there or, or, a, or a marriage of those two concepts. And I, I think businesses in our industry that have a track record of community involvement and charitable contributions motivate their employees to also make those types of contributions to their communities in their individual and home lives. I think it's another part of diversity, right? They, they've shown that the more diverse that your business is, the more successful you're going to be because you're serving a diverse audience. So if, especially if you're thinking about you're a real estate, you're in real estate, you're in mortgage, I mean, you have a whole you know, country out there of people, all different. And so even in this way, people's personalities, people's strengths, people's uh, motivations, a diversity of that, I think, is really helpful in a company because then you're going to get different viewpoints. I know I, I feel like even on our executive team, we took a we took these personality surveys and like how we work together. And it was really interesting to see. We had we had some really interesting results there. And just to see that in the ways that we're different is really our strength. It's it's the things that are different about some of us. Because um, some of us had had very like, I, I think you and I, for for a good part of the thing, it was exactly the same. We were like right down the middle. And that's- predictive end of the PI thing, right? We were, yes. we were both captains, I think was the, yes, we were the, the high level. <laughs> Which was great, except so that- we're some... both trying to take over this podcast from each other right now. <laughs> Clayton, let me ask you a question, okay? <laughs> Get out of here. It's my show. <laughs> But I, I think to me, the human element is also the thing that I'm trying to bring um, when I talk to our reporters. So I, as I, um, you know, I, I meet with them, I, I join some of their meetings. And what we can't ever forget is at the end of every transaction, at the end of, you know, it, every everything that we're doing, there are people at the end and there are people who are reading and and consuming, you know, uh, they're listening, they're they're listening to this podcast and people have emotions and understanding those and really taking those into account. And you might think, well, how does, what does that have to do with news? But it's like, if you look for the people angle, it's always going to be more interesting. Um, it's also going to be the thing that people remember. 
Um, and so, you know, just like, here's a whole bunch of facts. Well, you can, you can hire a robot to give you a bunch of facts, but that's not what we're trying to do. Absolutely. Yeah. There's, there's nuance, context, facts, data, all has to marry together for professionals to make great decisions to, to further their businesses. So let's, let's talk about content for a minute. So we mentioned, we told the audience that we are here at the Gathering of Eagles at Broadmoor in Colorado, 30th year for the Gathering of Eagles. And this is a, a tight knit community. And many of our sessions are, are off the record and we're, we're not doing news coverage job, but a few we can, we can, we can report on. So, so Sarah, um, we're finishing up day three right now. Day one was dealmakers day two yesterday, Monday was our first full day of content. We just wrapped up another amazing day of sessions are getting ready to go to, to a, to a reception right now. So tell us about the, your favorite session so far, like across the first three days of the gathering, it can be one that you moderated or one that, that you, you listened in on, but I'm, I'm curious to kind of learn about the session where you learned the most and really enjoyed the most. So we did not report and won't report on the dealmaker sessions, but those were fascinating. Have to say, um, just seeing as you and I have talked about that this environment is an opportunity for people. And in that M&A space, you definitely have people who are poised to really grow their business. And this is going to set the stage for, you know, the next 10, 20 years of their business. So that was pretty interesting. Um, can't say more than that. But then also the um, two of those people that were, were on a panel that I really liked were also on my panel, which was on that I moderated on improving the capture rate of core services. So I had Lacey Conway, who's the CEO of Ladder and Bloom, which is the largest independently owned real estate brokerage in the Gulf South. So that was great. And Gretchen Pearson, who's the president owner of a Berkshire Hathaway Home Services, the Drysdale properties, or I think they're called um, the Drysdales in, uh, around here. And both of those people are very involved in, in M&A. That's how they've done a lot of growth. But in this one, they're really talking about core services, which has been a theme over the last year. Uh, of people really, and, and this is why it's been so much fun to have all the different brands that we have and the all things housing is because, you know, so real estate is mortgage, is title, is valuation, is is reverse. It's all in there together now. And that's what this panel is about. I would be lying to the audience if I said that mortgages haven't come up in nearly every conversation. We we did our broker sentiment survey uh, last month, and I was shocked to see that brokers, real estate brokers across the country, their number one concern was was mortgage rates. And uh, that was echoed today through through several several speakers. We want to talk about housing economics and, and housing trends. And, and I think even Logan's recognizing that the mortgages drive the real estate market. So this overlap, these things that like we used to conceptually think are, are siloed mortgage, real estate, title, valuation, um, home building have, have become tighter and tighter together. And, uh, and, and one of those topics that's like completely, completely merged is, is core services. There's brokers that we're hearing on stage and, and talking to um, in, in social settings and a large majority, if not a hundred percent of their actual margin seems to be coming from core services. Can you tell us a little bit more about what you've heard from your panelists or other conversations you've had over lunches or, or cocktails? I've been out here in Colorado about how real estate brokers are building mortgage and title businesses or, or not. Absolutely. And I wanted to mention that the other person on that panel who was phenomenal was Sarah Reynolds, who's the CEO of Empower Home Mortgage. So it was really fun to talk to those three different people and to have conversations with other people. Um, and I think, I think, this is like how you 
how you recession-proof or cycle-proof your business. Besides the fact that, I mean, it, it all feeds into each other. It's like, someone on stage today, they're in insurance. And she's like, why are we in insurance? Just because it makes it easier. It's one conversation. You don't have to outsource that. The the estate, you know, the real estate agents don't have to outsource that. It's already right here. We, we're doing the homeowner's insurance. So, you know, it, it's just easier. So she's actually looking at operational logic, not just saying like, hey, this is going to be another source of margin. Let's do it. Absolutely. And, and some, you know, one of the um, speakers, one of the panelists had gotten into title and then they pulled back out of title. And, um, you know, there were some, it wasn't title itself. It was really the, the particulars of that deal or of, of that relationship that just didn't work out. Uh, but I thought that was really interesting. Title to me, you and I have been to several title conferences, meeting uh, people in that space and really understanding what's interesting to them. And has there ever been so much interest in title except over the last two years? I don't know because I haven't been here through so many things, but in the first, you know, seven years of me being at Housing Wire, you know, title was a little bit of a backwater. I mean, we, we definitely, you know, it's important and we're reporting on it, but as far as like the other people coming into title, other people talking about title, other people wanting to uh, disrupt title, if, if you want to say that, not maybe disrupt, but but add it to their business and and come at it that way. I think it just shows that people are are very much thinking about who gets to the consumer first, who gets to the consumer best. How do we deliver something to the consumer that is better than what we have today? And what's really interesting is how complex some of the core service offerings are. And some of the brokers that are in attendance now are able to go into title. Others, not so much because they're in a, a lawyer state or like, and, and this is not, not a business model that, that works. We're also hearing from some brokers here, like the pricing differentials between title policies in different states. And there might actually be some, some legislation or market moves that enables the prices to go up and create even more margin in the, in the title core service. I think one of the things that's really interesting to me to report on is how we're seeing the federal and regulatory um, sort of mind shit, mind Mind shift. Mind shift. Thank you. I was trying to mind frame shift and it was coming out in bad words, right? Folks, this is like day four at a conference. So like if, if Sarah and I stutter on words, it's because we're close to brain dead, but still need to be on our game. Absolutely. And so we're really seeing them take a different tack towards things like appraisal and title. Both of those things, they have made really big moves lately to where you're like, wow, they're they're kind of uh, backing off. So, so on title, we've seen that they've said, hey, uh, attorney opinion letters are going to be fine in some ways. And I mean, that's pretty a big deal. Um, on appraisal all over the place, many more things are, are open to appraisal waivers. They're looking at, um, they're looking at, you know, desktop appraisals, hybrid appraisals. We're, we're, we've worked on a story. One of our, our um, reporters was talking to someone and he sees the, the people who are going to be taking the um, property information, the same pool of people who drive Uber. That really, um, for $8 an hour, you're going to pay people to go out and and take property information, which I know if you're an appraiser, you're like, you know, that's got to make you want to scream because you're like, there's no way I'm not just a, you know, gathering of, of information in all of these ways. You can see how this is going to change these things. And I think it's really um, a bonus for our readers because we do have those different brands to be like, you know, if you're a real estate agent, you're probably not paying that close of attention to the regulation changes on appraisals or, you know, maybe you are entitled, but I, I feel like there's so much going on there that some of these things are going to be entirely different looking in, in the next few years. Yep. Yeah. Core services, big topic. So one of my favorite sessions was our- I've asked you- 
Uh, now it's my turn. Okay, Clayton, what was one of your favorites? I'm not getting enough words in here, so I'm just going to insert myself. So one of my favorite sessions was actually our our lunch today. Um, and we had really cool real estate broker out of Beverly Hills, um, Ernie. Actually, Alyssa, I'm going to ask you to edit me on that. That had a really cool real estate agent out of Beverly Hills, Ernie Carswell, joined the stage with Tom Ferry for a one-on-one interview talking about the luxury real estate market. And I thought Ernie was fascinating and Tom was a great interviewer that was high energy and a great way to end the lunch. But the part I really want to talk about is right before Ernie and Tom took stage, Sarah interviewed Logan on stage and and kind of dissected a lot of the economic work that we've been publishing on for the last two years for our audience of, of real estate brokers. And it's a really timely day to have an economic conversation because we just this week saw the latest uh, Case-Shiller numbers and the HPI, the home price index is up 20.4% year over year. And in the top 20 markets, 21.2%. This ain't cooling down. Tell us a little more about your conversation with Logan, Sarah. It was crazy. That data, um, he actually, uh, we were sitting in this room when he saw that data come out and he was like, what? (laughs) Um, It it surprised even him and it is lagging a little bit, but the whole point is like there, and there are uh, markets where it's 33%. It's over 30% year over year. And it's not like last year was some, you know, easy year. Oh, you know, we were down. I mean, last year was already up. So this kind of home price appreciation is amazing. It really has long lasting impact. And so that's kind of what we dug into today is what is the effect of having those rising home prices while you're having rising mortgage rates? Because of course, the whole the whole thing is like you expect rising mortgage rates is going to cool it down. And I think it is. But cool, cool is relative. Um, I wrote the appraisal newsletter today about um, uh, one of my favorite appraisers, who is Ryan Lundquist. Uh, he's in Sacramento. And I think that their home price appreciation has been like in the last month, it was like 6%. And he was like, oh, so this is really cooling off. Well, yeah, but I mean, it still went up, you know, and um, that is way off what they what they have seen. But that's kind of what what Logan's talking about is like, what is going to make this market get back to normal? Normal being people want a home. They have some choices. They're not in a bidding war. You know, things go back to a little bit normal. And that's really inventory is key there. And inventory is is just stalled out. And it's really, to me, one of the biggest stories that we've been reporting on for the last two years. And I don't think it's going to get better anytime soon. I mean, it's not because you look at the fact that people are locked into really low interest rates. Why would they move? Uh, Home tenure had already been going up. It's now, you know, 10 to 12 years. In some places, it's even higher. Well, if you're locked into a, a two point something or a three point something, there is no, why would you, unless you're like me and you're moving back to somewhere for family, unless you have to move for some reason, you're going to stay mostly. So, okay, you've locked in all those, you know, existing homes, people are already there, not a lot of movement. What about, you know, what about new homes? That's what everyone who I know you, me, everybody at this conference who's in real estate, their their family's like, well, why can't the builders just build more homes? Why are they doing that? Builders have no incentive to build more homes. I mean, they, they want to build enough homes to keep their profits. To, you know, they don't want to oversupply. Why should they do that? They're just running a business. Let's go back to the entrepreneur mindset. This is they're not going to bail us out of this. And it's, if they even if they did, it's going to be too slow. Um, Tom and I did talk about like if there's a possibility that the supply and demand imbalance gets bad enough, it might ease some state and local 
zoning issues. And uh, I think we, we, we actually could see municipalities start easing the way to make construction, new home construction, more affordable and faster for some of these home builders, which, which could which could be, I mean, now, now we're just pontificating, but uh, that, that is a potential path I see. Well, I think you have to, to, for that kind of thing to happen, you really have to have widespread support for it. And I think we're at a tipping point where if, I mean, if you want, like I have, I have, I have the four kids. are overrun. Yes. Yeah. Because I mean, all my kids, so, you know, I have four kids. My husband has four kids. That's eight kids. That's eight millennials. And out of all of them, one has bought a house. And most of them are just priced out at this point. And so you go, you know, all of those, all those pe- people coming up who can't buy a home. Um, and if they look into why a lot of the zoning issues is part of it. Um, and for our um, Finledger brand, we we do a lot of pro- that's focused on prop tech, property tech. And so that's a lot of the multifamily space. It's build to rent. It's um, uh you know, different, it's manufactured homes, it's really different kind of things. And you go, wow, there's a lot of options out there if if there were more, if if there was less regulation or if it was cheaper. So it's not just that like, oh, here's a zoning. It's like the way they've set it up, it makes it almost impossible to make any money by building. So why would someone build? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, especially at the the entry level. So, so Sarah, I'm going to, I'm going to come back to one more question about you kind of professionally in your role at HW. Um, and then we'll wrap this up and like kind of wrap up the theme of the gathering of Eagles. So last question for you as, as editor in chief, you mentioned how important it is that you engage with the audience and the professionals that, that we serve and conferences are a great way to do that. How else should our audience engage with you and our managing editor of the newsroom, James Kleiman, and other parts of the team to keep that dialogue going from these audience members who just have amazing experiences and and viewpoints that we should know about. I think that's a great point. I mean, of course, we all have emails, so it's always our our first name at hwmedia.com. So they, you know, Sarah at hwmedia.com, James Kleiman is our- Except me, set on my inbox. No, I'm kidding. Um, and that's a great way. I also have people reach out a lot and they're just like, hey, I just want to tell you about what our company's doing. And that's not necessarily going to result in a story or whatever. It's just context for me and context to understand what they're doing. Uh, maybe they're hiring. Maybe they have a new platform. Maybe they're um, expanding into something. Maybe they, you know, and, and that's exciting for us to see what is going on. What are the innovations going on out there? So I think anytime reaching out to me is great. Um, I do love uh, people who respond to newsletters. Um, anybody can always uh, write to editorial at housing com and and that gets to all of our reporters and editors and that's truthfully I think one of the ways that we find sources the most is people who reply to newsletters so Sarah as we think about what we're focused on as a newsroom and as a media organization is there an area of our current source relationship or, or coverage ecosystem that you're most focused on on building out in the in the next three months six months 12 months and um, so what do you what are you focused on? Love that question. So, uh, you know, we brought on Bill Conroy to really um, help us to cover um, and give information about the secondary mortgage market, which, you know, we, we've covered in, in when I first got here, we covered pretty thoroughly and then kind of went through a phase where we didn't cover as much. And now he's really digging in. So he's, of course, um, he has a lot of sources, but would always love more. And I think investors and people involved in that uh that's really an area we would love to know more people, have more perspectives. And so, you know, Bill Conroy, at Bill at hwmedia.com is a great way to do that or Sarah at hwmedia.com because that's those are kind of the relationships that what we realize we really want to grow that coverage. 
Sarah Wheeler, thank you for entertaining me on this impromptu interview. I hope our housing news audience found it valuable to get a little peek under the hood of life at HW. Hope you have a great day. Thank you so much for having me on. It was a treat. Bam. Now that is a wrap of this week's episode of the Housing News Podcast. Do me a huge favor and go to iTunes and rate this show. And if you leave a comment, you better tune in next week because you might get a shout out. Thank you.